We're in Acts chapter 8, and many of you might think to yourself, boy, we sure have been in Acts chapter 8 a while, and you are right. But here's the reason why. It's really good. And uh, I thought I would go a little quicker through this, but I really think that God has asked us to slow down because there's a lot of really good teaching points throughout this. I just don't want to go fast through it. We, sit, we spend our time going through chapter and verse, and uh, it's, it's, we don't do that to just get through it. You know, we, we do it because we want to learn, and we want to allow uh, opportunity for the Lord to speak to his church. That's you guys, myself included, that you would, we would learn and grow and understand who he is, what he has said. And so that's why we have the word of God as front and center, chapter and verse. We just, I just want to know what God says, and then I want to adjust my life to it. That's about all there is to it, right? So we're traveling through the beginning of Acts chapter 8 is the spread of the gospel into Samaria. And so we took some time to, to talk about that. And then we paused on some just aspects of spiritual warfare last week. The reality of it, we were introduced to a guy named Simon who is a sorcerer and he practiced magic arts and he deceived an entire geographical region with his bil- abilities to ooh and awe people. Uh, there was a discuss- discussion, is this like sleight of hand thing is going on? Or there is the reality that there is a demonic realm. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? Against principalities and powers and spiritual hosts of wickedness. And so we just talked through what that means and how we wrestle against something that is not seen. And yet there is no comparison to the power of God and the power of the enemy. It's just not. Different categories altogether. And so that was where we were last week. And then here we're going to be kind of reintroduced. We're going to be following this guy named Simon along uh, this story as a a guy who's trying to figure stuff out and he's blowing it. (laughs) So I really hope that you're able to first and foremost see yourself in that and that the Lord will minister to you and bring you to a place of humility and conviction in the best possible way but also the beauty of hope that we have knowing that Christ has done this work and he's finished it and I'm no longer bound to sin and enslaved to it. You guys, we're set free to live the life that God has called us to live and that's good news. So in dealing with this, and sometimes you'll notice, for example, on your sheet, you've got the third person of the Trinity. And if you've ever done a study of the Trinity before or tried to wrap your head around it, you probably end up hurting yourself but what we do is we take language and we try to articulate and, and communicate who God is. And it's, we, we just fall short. There's ways of, of thinking about the Trinity, the third person, the Holy Spirit, God revealed in Scripture. We look at Scripture and we see the Holy Spirit operating in, in the works of God and, and called God. All these different things we're trying to understand. We know there's only one God, but we see he's, he's revealed himself in three different persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So then we, are, we put language around that to try to understand the nature and character of God. Now, this is, this is difficult. And so for, like example, the third person of the Trinity, and there you'll see where the places where the Holy Spirit is equated to God. Uh, we do our best, right, as, as humans to try to understand who God is. He is understandable, though. There is, there is a relationship that we can have with him. Is he beyond comprehension fully? Of course he is. He's an infinite and awesome and mighty God. But we do know a lot about him. He's revealed himself through his word. And in these last days, right, he's spoken through his son Jesus. 
who is the brightness and the outshining of his glory. We've seen him and we've known him. And so we try to understand things. We allow scripture to speak to us. We let scripture interpret scripture. So where we in, interact or come in contact with a, like an interesting section, which we actually get to today. An interesting section of scripture. We'll read it here in a moment. But uh, we let other scripture kind of speak into it. If we understand it clearly over here in Matthew or in John or another epistle. It helps shed light on what this looks like. So I just wanted to bring that before you on how we approach scripture and how we talk through it and how we discuss it. We allow the Bible to speak and then I adjust myself to it. I don't take what I want and put it in here. Now, that's a temptation oftentimes to have your own preconceived ideas. That would be an eisegesis where I put me into it. An exegesis is where I let the scripture speak. And so we do the best we can. We're not perfect. We're gonna talk about that today. To teach in such a way that honors God's word like honors God's word like that so that you guys can grow so that we can grow and we can know him more so okay so we're introduced to this dude Simon and in the previous or last week we just spent some time going through this now here check us out oh let's pray Jesus we just ask for help (laughs) that you would speak very clearly in your name we pray amen okay if you need a bible raise your hand they'll give it to you you're going to want it because we're going to be going through scripture notice chapter 12, sorry, 8, <laughs> verse 12. They are believing Philip. Philip's preaching the gospel. People are believing. The things preached concerning the kingdom of God. So Philip was preaching things concerning the kingdom of God. And you'll notice, in the name of Jesus Christ, there were men and women that got baptized. So they were saved. They got baptized. You notice verse 13, Simon himself also believed. Now here's what's up. We look at that and what I, what I tend to do is I'm just gonna take that at face value. Meaning this, when it says Simon himself also believed, I read that as Simon himself also believed. <laughs> okay, real deep, I know. <laughs> now there are, are there places in the scripture where it's like, I gotta work through that. Uh, for example, pluck your eye out. Okay, well, we're careful with that one, right? If your eye causes you to sin, cut it out. You take that at face value, you're gonna be in the hospital. But we try to understand what's being said. And so we're just looking at scripture. Here, it's just pretty straightforward, I believe. Now, some people might disagree. You'll have different commentators say things, but I think this is pretty safe to believe that Simon was a born-again believer, okay? That's kind of important to understand as we move into the next section of scripture, that those people in Samaria were born-again believers, Uh, and that Simon was also lumped in with that group, okay? So Simon himself believed. Luke seems to be um, convinced of that point. Simon, or I'm sorry, Philip was convinced of that point, so it seems, and then we'll get introduced to John and Peter, and they seem to be convinced of that as well. So I'm at the spot where, you know what? This is is how we're gonna navigate this Um, for this particular section. 14... Through 17, let's read it. When the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John uh, to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had not fallen upon, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, Maybe this is where you could understand a little bit of the confusion. How could a born-again believer 
not have the spirit yet. That doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> so then you begin to study, right? Well, how does this work out? And that is why I've got this thing, a little fun thing. We've been through this before, I know, but there's people maybe who are new or newer to the fellowship and we're just rolling through it. Uh, Bill has taught this year after year after year. But just putting it in front of you, and my wife did such a great job making it look snazzy. Way to go, baby. <clears throat> um, okay. I'm filtering so much right now. I'm good. I'm doing good. I'm doing so good. But I wanted to bring this before you. Maybe we could learn something. I don't know. <clears throat> How does this work? How can a born-again believer not be filled with the Spirit? What's going on here, right? At the moment of salvation, the Spirit of God comes and dwells within you. You are born again. Ephesians tells us that you're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And he comes in and he dwells, he makes his home with you. That's what happened to Simon here in uh, like verses 12 and 13. Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. <clears throat> Interestingly enough, we have other scripture that can help us understand this. So you'll notice on this, it says, the threefold work of the Spirit, you've got within and upon. I know we've been through this, but just bear with me because it helps us actually apply it to this very section of scriptures where we can apply this teaching. With, uh, there's a particular Greek word for each one of these things. It is throughout your life prior to salvation. This is where Jesus says himself, like Jesus himself says, the Holy Spirit is with you and will soon be in you. That's in there in John chapter 14, 17, and 23 where he explains this. And I want you guys to consider and think how there was a time in your life when you weren't born again, okay? None of you are born saved. You're all born broken and in need of a savior. And there was a time where you became born again. I remember that time was laying in my bed. I was 16, almost 17, and cried out to the Lord. At that moment, I was born again. Born from above, new creation in Christ Jesus, God's spirit came and resided within me. There's lots of scriptures that deal with that. In 1 Corinthians, Paul will, will walk through that so much. But prior to that, what is the spirit of God doing? He is drawing you to Jesus. Um, the old way of saying it, or maybe you've heard it, he woos you to Christ. It's kind of like what you do to your spouse is you woo them. It's a weird way of saying it where you're like, come here, honey, or something. And... Uh, we use different language now because it's awkward, but when you, you woo someone, you're trying to draw them in. You're lovingly calling them in, and we see that's the work of the Spirit prior to a person being saved is to draw in. Now, you can think back to your time before you knew the Lord where you didn't know, but you look back and think, oh my gosh, the Lord was absolutely at work. I remember this time. I remember that moment in time when I remember, God, you're reaching out to me. That is a work of his Spirit before you're saved faithful to pursue you, faithful to come after you, that you would choose to follow him. Uh, I remember very distinctly, this is weird maybe, and you guys, I don't know what you'll think. Anyway, I'm riding a dirt bike and I'm getting ready to wreck and I'm driving into a tree in the air like 50, it was crazy. And uh, I closed my eyes and I, I was saved by angels. No joke, crazy story. Maybe you think I'm a wild man now. But it was a wild time. But I remember looking back, I was, as, I was as unregenerate as they come at that point in time. Had I died that moment, I would have gone to hell, you guys. And yet I look back, and I didn't even realize it at the time, but looking back, I remember there was like a light bulb, and I'm like, oh my goodness, the Lord saved me. And it was a work of the Spirit to preserve my literal life at that point in time, to draw me, to get me to where I was laying in my mom and dad's, or my, my bed at my house, 
and I cried out to the Lord and he saved me. You guys look back and think about times where the Lord has touched you and he's done these things and he's ministered to you to draw him to, to draw you, I'm sorry, to himself. That is what God does. So that's with, at that point of salvation, he's in you. You are sealed. It's done. New creation. Get fired up. He set you free. It's super good stuff. And then we have kind of the answer to this question. Well, what exactly happened then? What happened when John and Peter came was they prayed that they would be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit came upon them just like it did in Acts chapter 2. When the Spirit came upon them. That's the third work of the Spirit. He's with you prior to salvation. He comes in you when you're born again. And then he empowers you and enables you after that to do the things that God has called you to do. Whatever work that might be, whether that's to love your spouse, to be like, helpful to your kids, there are times when you need extra help. Whether it's sharing a gospel with somebody, what about coming up here and teaching a message to a church that hopefully makes something called sense? That's a work of the Spirit. <laughs> and like, that's a, a gift that God gives, an enabling to do something that I, me personally, could never otherwise do apart from the Holy Spirit at work. So God enables and empowers, just like he did there in Acts chapter two, to empower the church to do things, to do what though? To be his witness, to do the things that will draw attention to Jesus. So that's the third work, and that's what's happening here in Acts chapter eight, verses 14, 15, and 16, and 17. Like they laid hands on them, and they were filled with the Spirit, just like what happened in Acts chapter two. That Samaritans are being filled with the Spirit just like the Jews. In Acts chapter 10, guess what's going to happen? Is the Spirit of God is going to come upon the Gentiles and they can be saved as well. So they're born again and they're filled with the Spirit just like what happened here. And so hopefully that answers some of those questions. Maybe you could have gone through this and not even wondered. Um, but that's kind of how we deal with and walk through Scripture. And what you'll see here is <clears throat> Simon who we believe is a born-again believer, who was also filled with the Spirit. Uh, doesn't specifically say that he was, but he was there watching it. And Okay, I don't know. It doesn't necessarily matter, but just consider these things and think through them. Then does some really jacked-up stuff, <laughs> okay? And so there's something we can learn from that. Like, a believer can still do bad things. Now, hopefully you're not like, oh my goodness. I hope that you have to look no further than the mirror to realize the truth of that, <laughs> okay? That uh, there's a struggle that we have with sin. Now, here's what's up. It's not okay. It's not okay to continue in sin. It's not okay to be like, hey, whatever, we're just broken. Mm -mm, you've been set free. You have been born again. The chains that held you down to your own will and to your own sin, they, they're gone, you guys. We have to be saying about them. And we've been set free. Uh, Romans 6, 11 says, to reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. We're dead to sin. And yet we still wrestle with it. We talked about it last week. There's a battle that we, f we fight to be holy and to be used by him, to be made in his image. We're continuing to be on this journey. It's called sanctification. We'll spend some time talking about it today. Simon is in that process, a believer, but he's got some things messed up. Let's look at it. Look at verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. Uh-oh. 
And he said, hey, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we've got some problems now. And uh, you're going to see Peter's going to, he's going to get after here. Simon had things to work out. Simon was still growing in his faith and trying to learn what it meant to follow Jesus. Bear in mind for a moment, please, where did Simon come from? Simon came from a life where somebody would come to him and they would give him money and they would say, hey, will you pray for me or will you do this? And he would do what? He, there would be an exchange of goods. Here's a spiritual blessing that was demonic and, and uh, not of the Holy Spirit, but powerful nonetheless in exchange for some kind of money or a goat maybe. I don't know what they traded for. But something like that. So here's Simon. People would come to him and give him money, and he would then give them something spiritual, albeit evil and demonic. But there was, was an exchange. And so here's Simon saying, hey, right on. He's encountered now real and genuine power that comes from the Holy Spirit, that comes from God, something that he was not accustomed to and didn't know. And he says, that's awesome. I want that. Now, there's probably several reasons, and I don't think that they were particularly um, uh, like good reasons. That there's, you'll notice Peter's going to eventually say, "You're bound by iniquity, man. Like, and your heart is bitter. There's there's still this wrestle going on, where you got to work through some stuff that you've brought in from your life before. Are you a new creation? You better believe you're a new creation. That's the sweetness and the hope that we have in Christ is that I can overcome these things that I've brought into my life. Those sins and the struggles that I had when I was 16, well, well God has done a work in my life and now that I'm 37, yeah, 37, I've grown, right? By the grace of God, it's not the same sins as they were. There are some things that God has removed from my life altogether. There are some things that I still struggle with, but it's to a different degree. And God has given victory in areas and victory in areas, right? We're still wrestling and battling. Simon's newly born again, trying to figure out and wrestle through this. Still had issues to be worked out. And believe it or not, hopefully again, you have to look no further than the mirror than believe that believers can still behave wickedly and do things that are wrong. It's not okay. Sin is sin. It grieves the heart of God. It's something that you have been, it's like been taken care of. What are you walking in it for? It needs to be dealt with. There is confession. There is repentance. All these things. And we'll get to it when Peter says it. But I just want you guys to be molded over like these things happen. And Simon's like now walking in a brand new role and a brand new understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. And he's got it mixed up. Guess what he needs? He needs to be discipled. He needs to be brought in. And hey, here's how you follow Christ. Here's the teachings of Jesus. Let us go through it. And we'll teach him, oh, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Do you think that was new for Simon? Yeah, that was new for Simon probably, who had lorded over people this whole time. People were like, wow, this guy is amazing. The great power of God. And he lorded it over them. We'll get to that in a moment. This is why we can correct and rebuke. And that's why it's important that we love people enough to interact with them. Oh man, by the way, that's why it's so important that you guys are plugged in to a body of believers that can speak into your life, that can watch and see and have, a, and have a voice into your life to correct and to help you navigate these difficult issues that you face. 
None of you are perfect. You'll be perfect when you're seeing the Lord face to face. But we have been set free from the penalty of sin. That's exciting. We've been set free from the power of sin. That's incredible. Let's walk in it. The presence of sin, that's coming when we see Jesus. But I've got no excuse when I sin. Guess whose fault it is? It's mine. And it's yours. There's no excuse, you guys. He has given us every resource he could possibly give us. It's all found in Jesus to overcome sin, to walk a life of victory. Every bit of it's found in him. He's given it to us. It's at our disposal to walk out now and to wrestle through. Every time I sin, you guys, it's because I decided to. And there was a battle raging. Am I going to follow my flesh or am I going to follow the spirit? I have a decision to make. And this is what's sometimes difficult. I would love to pawn it off on something else. I would love that. Wouldn't you? If we could just pawn it off on something. No, it's me. <laughs> like, I'm an idiot. I need to repent. I need, I need to seek forgiveness. Is that humiliating to do? Yes, it is. Have I had to repent and confess sin uh, to other men in the fellowship? And yep, I have. Is it humiliating? Yes, it is. Um, but is bringing sin out in the light really healthy? You better believe it is. It's vital if you want to overcome these things. Get it out in the light and let it be dealt with in a way, in a, in a, in a community, in a group of people that are loving and understand. We're all wrestling through these things. But to hide it will just perpetuate its uh, power. You don't have to. We can be set free from it because of what Christ has done. And, and we can bring this into light and say, hey, here's what's up. And now you have accountability. You have people walking with you. These are important things. You want to be wise about it, don't you? I'm not suggesting you get on your social media and say, hey, that would be dumb. <laughs> but you can interact with people that you know you can trust. Brothers and sisters in the Lord who you know are filled with the Spirit and will give you biblical and sound advice that won't let you wiggle and squirm away, but they'll hold you and they'll also love you and be compassionate for you towards you. As you wrestle through these things and you grow in your walk with the Lord and you're being sanctified and made in his image, every day we're growing, every day. That's the hope. We want to grow. God is not expecting you to be perfect, but I think there's an expectation for growth, an expectation to be sanctified, to continue to learn and grow. Okay, he still had issues to be worked out. We get to correct and rebuke. It's a work that God has called us to. For example, go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and this will just give you a little bit of an illustration um, or maybe further explanation as to what God is referring to uh, or what I'm, what I'm talking about and what God, I think, is trying to reveal to the church. 2 Timothy chapter 2, we just went through this as a staff and it was like right on line with what we were, where we're at right now. <clears throat> so we'll start in verse 24. It says that a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, which means like you can't fight, <clears throat> but be gentle to all. That word is affable, which means like easy in conversation, that there's, there's, a, there's an, an ease and um, like an enjoyment in being with a person where I'm not like, okay, quiet down. I'm sick of listening to you now. That's not affable. This idea of gentle uh, would be, I, I'll love to talk to you, right? We'll, we'll, we'll discuss things and you're free to converse with me. And maybe you're, maybe you're like that. So we want to be that. That's what we're being called to. Notice it's a servant of the Lord. This is Paul writing to Timothy, 
who's an overseer of the church, but, but this is written to, well, hey, tell servants of the Lord, that's any of you who are following Christ are servants of the Lord. <clears throat> you must be able to teach and patient, special and unique words, but we won't go into it. And then in verse 25, it says, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. And that word is the Greek word preotes, which is almost always translated as gentle or meek. Uh, the word for humility is a different word altogether that's normally translated humility. It's like this, it's like tape freneo is kind of what it looks like. Um, I always think of like tapeworm and freneo is like your mind and what you think. But like your low esteem, you think low. Type of, it's kind of how that word is. So a tapeworm is low. That's humility. Here we're talking gentleness and meekness that God has called us to in gentleness and in meekness correct those who are in opposition. That's something that God has asked us to do. It's the same word in Galatians chapter 5 with the fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness is translated usually. It's the same exact word. So this is a fruit of the Spirit. Our ability to go and handle the difficult issues in people's lives and walk with people through these things. Well, I need the fruit of the Spirit in order to do that. Man, that's why we need to ask God to fill us up. I want to see God work like that. And you guys should be being used by him in your home fellowships, in your small group Bible studies, whatever it might be, to interact with other people and to help them grow in their relationship with Jesus, to grow in sanctification, to grow in that holiness that God has called us to. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says it like this. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Same exact word. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And then in James, he says it, uh, like this, brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the air of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. We've been called and asked that God would use the church to bring people back to him. And so we're going to see Peter's getting ready to rip this guy's face off in, a, in like a good way. We'll look at it in a moment. But this is called sanctification where we grow. Simon is at that place where he's growing in his understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. And we're trying to apply it and understand scripture as best we can. This is where Simon is. <clears throat> you can't give money and get the power of the spirit. That's not how it works. And in fact, you want to get the power of the spirit so that you can then, what? Probably lord over people again. Oh, look, I'm back. Hey, I'm back in business now. Come to me for some spiritual things. If anybody needs something, here I am. Back in business. <laughs> no, Simon, that's not how it works. You're not going to be back in business for a while. God needs to humble you. And God needs to fashion you into a man who then God can use. That's a process, you guys. It takes time. It's called discipleship. It's why we do church. It's why we have small groups. It's why we do Bible studies. It's why we exist right here, you know. Sanctification. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore... By the brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It's your reasonable uh, service or act of worship. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That's this idea of sanctification and growing. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect or complete will of God. God has asked that we would grow. So let's grow. How do we grow? Well, we're doing it right here. Fellowship, word of God, prayer, fellowship. That's how we do it. Being anchored to and in Christ, knowing him and enjoying him. Hebrews calls us to be 
to exercise our senses. Those who are full of age or complete or mature have exercised. They've walked. Exercise requires time, doesn't it? To see changes, to see fruit, it just requires time. And that's kind of what the author of Hebrews is trying to get at here in chapter 5. That growth requires time. It also requires effort. It also requires good nutrients and pruning and care. And that's how it is with Simon. That's how it is with you guys and with me. There's time and effort involved in this. It's hard. That's why when we talk about getting ready for the hard that is to come as a church... All right, Lord, do that work, but then get ready for the harvest that's to come. That's an exciting part, but that's hard because people are messy and it's difficult navigating. And when do I be gracious? And when do we have to put our foot down and say, no, we just can't allow this. And that's hard stuff to deal with, you guys. Pray that God would give wisdom as we navigate in this crazy world, but also want to reach out and be a place of fellowship where people who are broken can come and find Jesus. And when they interact and sit next to you guys, they know nothing but his love and his care. Grace and truth, Lord, help us navigate that. It's hard in these days to be grace and to be truth. Okay, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 3 through 8. Uh, I will summarize it or kind of paraphrase it. This is the idea, a really great verse on sanctification. Uh, it says that, for this is the will of God, your sanctification that you would abstain from sexual immorality and that you would know how to possess your own vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who don't know God, but we want to be able to, right now I'm paraphrasing more, we want to be able to navigate life as we should, as God has called us to. We can, the whole point of that section is that we can. God has called you to live a life of holiness. In verses three and four, you'll see the word translated as sanctification. And in verse seven, it's holiness. He has called you in holiness. God desires that the church would look like him. And he's holy, so he wants me to be holy and you to be holy. He's called us to that. That's a process called sanctification. Two parts to it. Or you can think Second uh, Peter 3, uh, 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Like it's a matter of growing. You guys know these things. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says, but we're bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren. Beloved by the Lord, because God from the very beginning chose you for salvation, and notice what it says, through sanctification by the Spirit. And so the Spirit of God has a work of sanctification in your own life. But then you'll notice, and belief in the truth, and you see, oh, there's some responsibility that I have now to hear what is true, and then apply it to my life and allow God to work. Like, I have a decision to make, but it's all accompanied with the work of the Holy Spirit because I cannot do this on my own. I need help. And that's where we cry out to the Lord and we, we go back to Jesus and say, here I am, Lord, help me. Everything is found in him. The work that he's accomplished on the cross, you guys, if you don't find your hope and strength and power there, man, there's nothing. And so we go to him. There's lots of different things we could go. We're going to... We gotta, I got to hurry up. Okay, so then Peter says to him, uh, your money perish with you also. That's the PG version probably. Your heart, oh, I'm sorry, because you thought the gift of God could be purchased with money. It's not how it works, is it? He's in a new economy now. He's in a new system now. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. Uh, your heart isn't right in the sight of God. And notice he takes it where? Right back to the heart. Your heart's not right. And so deal with it. 
He wants to take money and give it to him in exchange for something. And that's not how it works. Can I give something and that's uh, not how God works. Is money important? Of course. You exchange it into faithful tithing. Guess what? You get to have this oath up here because I've studied and I've had time afforded to me because people faithfully give. Like that's important and that's good. We have ministries all over the place because people faithfully give and that's an incredibly important part of our act of worship that we've discussed. Camp Indy, the school that's here, the hundreds, thousands of lives that get impacted because of the ministry that goes on here and this ministry by the grace of God in many ways is sustained because you guys faithfully give. And so, yes, of course, there's an importance there, but this isn't what we're talking about. Your guys' giving is a matter of obedience and just doing what God has called you to do. And, and hopefully, we're not expecting to get anything out of it other than being blessed. I hope that you guys are blessed and encouraged and grown. But I can't give and say, okay, God, now you owe me. It's not how it works. And that's where Simon's going. And Peter's like, that's not what's up. Your heart is jacked up, Simon. It's not how it works. God uses finances. He uses these things, but it's not so that I can gain something. Let him work in that sovereignty. It's like this equation. If I give, then I'll be blessed. Nah, it's not how it works necessarily. So we just want to be careful with how we think through if I volunteer my time. Well, then God will bless me. Guys, come on. Jesus is way bigger than that and way better. He wants you to know him. Know Jesus and you'll be blessed. I can definitely tell you that. Servant children's ministry, probably. Do other things, probably. But man, know him. Enjoy him. There's the, if there's ever an equation, know Jesus. Enjoy him. Feast upon his word. Be a man and a woman of prayer. Continue in fellowship. Okay, now, now we can talk through those things for sure. Other than that, man, my heart's, my heart's not right in this matter. If I'm thinking, oh, okay, now you owe me something. It's not how it works. Peter corrects him very harshly because this is a serious issue. <clears throat> and just like he corrected Ananias and Sapphira back in Acts chapter 4, um, God took sin seriously. And here Peter's dealing with it in a serious way. He says, repent. Therefore of your wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and you're bound by iniquity. And Simon said, well, oh, sorry, we'll get to that in a second. There's a trickle-down effect of messing around and sinning, and Peter deals with it right away. That's the idea of correcting, right? Of dealing with sin so that sin doesn't corrupt the church. Super important. We desire that and want to be holy and live a holy life. But know this, that Simon had fallen from a place of prestige, didn't he? He was the man, and now he's just not. And so God's dealing with him and humiliating him in a way that will break him. Have you guys ever been broken by the Lord? It gets important. There are, there's times in my life I can think back and they happen periodically where I just have to be broken. And it allows him to, to like take me and I'm more moldable at that point in time. And he can fashion me and shape me as he sees fit. Those are difficult times. Simon's there. He's learning what it means to follow Jesus. And here's what it means to not follow Jesus. You can't give your money and expect this place of leadership. And a history lesson, real quick. In the Roman Catholic Church, you had what's called simony. I don't know if you guys have heard of it or familiar at all with it. Probably not, because you're Protestants, most of you. But, uh, but uh, simony is a thing where I could take money 
and I could pay a church and they would make me a bishop or they would make me an overseer of a church. And so if you had enough money, you could have a place of prestige and power. And here's what that's called also. It's called evil, okay? It's called wrong. It's called bad, right? It's not how it works in God's economy, you guys. God looks at the heart of a person and he calls them. That's 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who calls a person into ministry. We can't force our way in there. That's not how it works. You see Simon saying, hey, here's some cash money. It's not how it works, Simon. It's the Lord who calls. God's way is different than the world's way. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. Simon, guys, listen, he's just being introduced to these things for the first time. And I, I do believe, I think he might have handled it humbly. We'll get to that in a second. <clears throat> we have the mind of Christ, the Holy Spirit. We have the truth of the word of God. Ministry can do in these things. Notice what happens. <clears throat> Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you've spoken may come upon me. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. We'll pause there for today. We'll get to the rest of this with Philip and evangelism next week. But know this, that repentance is still relevant for believers. Like today, um, when you're driving home, <laughs> when we're taking communion here in a second. Repentance is still relevant. Is it important for when you're born, being born again and coming to Jesus for the first time? Well, yeah, you have to repent. But uh, it's still relevant for today. That There's probably things that you guys are wrestling with and dealing with. It's called sin, and it needs to be taken care of. And brought before Jesus, you and Jesus, and dealt with. Isn't that cool? You could do that like right here. Right now, you could do it in the quietest of your own seat. When you're driving home, you have an audience with him and you can deal with it right then and there. Because guess what? He already knows, <laughs> right? That's what confession is. You're just admitting what's already known. It's like, yep, you're right. <laughs> when your kids confess to their, I already knew that you did that. Like we saw it on your phone or we watched you do it. Brandon Grayson here at the school, I saw you on video do it. Like, I know you did it. Just confess it, right? It says I'm making your heart right before God. That you'll come in agreement with him. And you'll submit to him. <clears throat> it's, it's important that we walk through these things. Verse 24, when he says, pray to the Lord, here's what's up. It can maybe get a little bit weird. Now I just want to may, maybe approach it like this. It's not wrong to ask for prayer. And that's what Simon did. Now, you could say he's trying to use Peter as an intermediary, which if that's what he's doing, guess what? That's wrong. It's you and Jesus. We don't need a mediator. You don't need to go to a confessional and say, hey, here's my sins. And mm -mm. You have an audience with Jesus Christ right now. You can go boldly to the throne of grace because of what Christ has done. How cool is that? You can do it now. You can do it in a shower. You can do it driving home, running out here in the woods, whatever it is. You have an audience with Jesus because of the work of the cross. You have it. But you also have prayer partners. <laughs> and that's important. If Simon thinks he has to go through a mediator, guess what? Simon's wrong. If Simon thinks it'd be good for Peter to pray for him, Simon's right. It's okay. We need help. It's okay to say, will you pray for me? Have you guys ever done that before? I've done that before. Uh, it's not because this person uh, has some special relationship with God. It's just, I need help and support. Like, would you intercede on my behalf? That's a biblical thing. 
to intercede for people. I'm not ever suggesting that a person has a closer or not. Like, guys, it's like Jesus. Like, we have him. You have a relationship with him. Whether you think you're deeply spiritual or not, you have access to Jesus. You have access to the Father through Jesus. You have access to the Spirit. You have it. It's all been given to you. Take advantage of it. But here's what else is cool, is you also have a church family. And you have people who care for you and love you who want to pray for you. And so if you're poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity, ask for some prayer. (laughs) Deal with it between you and the Lord. And then find someone and ask for help and ask for prayer because that's what the church is here for. Pray to the Lord for me. These things may not come upon me. Like, that's okay. Seek out that help. Seek the prayer. I needed to be done a little bit ago. (laughs) So I'm just going to be done now. Um, 